0: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm still getting over Sunday's loss. And trust me, it's been difficult, and I'm sure you're like me, and you just want to kind of delete October from your memory bank. After three straight losses, the Bears, they're in for a true test this Sunday. So to kick off our Week 9 preview, I sat down with Zach Rosenblatt, who shared his insight on Jordan Howard, and the Eagles rushing attack, why their offense is so good in the red zone and third down, and much more, including the one glaring weakness on Philadelphia's defense. So let's go right ahead and meet the 2019 Philadelphia Eagles. Zach, I want to thank you for joining me today. I know our listeners are excited to learn more about the 2019 Eagles as the Bears. Uh, They're hoping to snap their losing streak in this wild card rematch. It's you know, you've been on the podcast before. I'm excited to have you back on. How have you been in 2019?
1: It's been good, man. It's uh, been a weird season in Philadelphia, just as it's been weird in Chicago, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it looks like they're maybe getting back on the right track, and we'll kind of see if that's true against the Bears this week.
0: Yeah, and actually... that has uh leads me right to my first question because i just want to know the feeling around the eagles because just a week ago before they defeated the bills you know eagles fans uh they're in a panic the locker room starting to talk and uh players are getting the argument with people on twitter but now that the eagles have defeated the bills does uh the atmosphere kind of change a little bit around you know just the team
1: i mean i I would say generally especially in this city when when the Eagles win, it's like everything's okay. And then if they lose next week, then all of a sudden everything is going to be terrible again. So it's uh like the the range of emotions both in the city and just like even just talking to the players and stuff, it, it's pretty amazing. But I will say there's definitely some more optimism. A lot of the optimism has to do even beyond the win. You know, they, they should be getting some, some, some of their – they have a lot of injured guys. And with the bye coming up, I think coming out of the bye, that should be a lot healthier – and I think that, that's kind of why they didn't, weren't really that active at the trade deadline today. I think they're banking on a lot of these guys like Deshaun Jackson, Tim Jernigan, Fonte Maddox, and Cravon LeBlanc, and all, all these guys uh, coming back from long, long-term injuries. So what, if they can get fully healthy, I think they feel pretty good about themselves. I'm still a little less confident that the Bills game is kind of a trend. I still think they have a lot of issues that they need to address, but um, I think they definitely feel better right now than they did a week ago.
0: Now, Zach, I want to stick with the offense just to kind of begin this show. And Carson Wentz, he's not having the best year statistically. He had a rough outing a couple of weeks ago against the Cowboys. Uh, but he had a very sturdy game, I would say, against Buffalo. Nothing flashy, but more of that game manager role. So I want to know your take on Wentz's season and perhaps him taking on more of that game manager role. What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, you know, it's been it's been a strange season for him for sure because, you know, he had all this preseason MVP hype and – he looked pretty good in that first game when Deshaun Jackson was firing on all cylinders and then Deshaun went down. And the rest of the receiving core kind of fell apart. Um, you know, Alshon Jeffrey doesn't really look like himself. I don't know if he's banged up and still recovering from a calf injury from in the year, but he's kind of, you know, the way he's running out there just looks like it hurts. And Nelson Aguilar is really digressed. And Mac Hollins, you know, he doesn't even have a catch in the month of October, and he's played most of the snaps. Um, Zach Ertz is kind of, you know, he's... He's doubled a lot, but he still hasn't been as dynamic as normal, and they haven't really even targeted him that much. So the passing game and his weapons—they've both been inconsistent in dropping balls and getting open, and you know. So I think that that needs to be factored in, but he also deserves some of the blame for it. You know, he, I think there's some times where he holds on to the ball too long, where he tries to force things a little bit. But I, I don't think he's been bad by any stretch. I don't think he's been great. I think he's just been a solid, you know, game manager type. But it—that's it, not what the Eagles are paying him to be. They're paying him to be elite. But it's hard to be elite when you your receivers have been playing the way they have.
0: Yeah, actually, I wanted to learn a little bit more about Zach Ertz, because you mentioned he's not having the sort of production that I would expect, and I'm sure you as well, uh, this year. Do you have any insight of what may be amiss there? Does a robot know you like a neighbor?
1: Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau
0: agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Zach Ertz.
1: I think honestly, I think part of it does have to do with the lack of separation that the other receivers are getting. So it's a lot easier to hone in on for other teams on Zach Ertz. And mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks, they've been targeting Dallas Goddard a little more than Zach. Um, I don't, I don't think this is going to be a season-long trend. If it is, I think that's problematic just because he's the Eagles' best offensive player. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, so that they really do need to get him more involved. Uh, you can tell he's frustrated. He, he like won't say it directly because they won. But I think he's getting frustrated with the lack of targets he's been getting. So I I would imagine they try and hit him uh, a little more often this week, though. I'm sure the Bears will be scheming up for him, though. So we'll see how that goes.
0: You talked about Deshaun Jackson's injury. That's been putting a big damper on that offense. I heard he may play this week. Do you buy that?
1: I do not. Um, I I think there's a chance he goes on the practice field tomorrow. Uh, I think it mostly depends on if that goes well, and then he gets some more limited time in the rest of the week. But he hasn't practiced since week two. And this injury, from all accounts, is just going to be lingering even when he comes back, and they have a bye coming up. So I don't know if it makes much sense to risk it with him. I wouldn't say it's a zero percent chance that he plays, but I still would be surprised if he went on Sunday.
0: Is there any ways that he's, you know, his absence is limiting this offense? I think the obvious one, right, is the lack of speed uh, with him being on the sidelines compared to him on the field.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's. I think it says a lot about the state of this offense that. He technically has only really played one game for them. He played some snaps in the second game, and then he got hurt. Uh, and they just really miss him as much as they do. I mean, this is all basically the same receiving core as last year. So I think that says that says a lot of negativity about the coaching staff and their ability to develop these guys because especially down the field, you know, Nelson Aguilar has really struggled in tracking the ball. There's been multiple occasions where he's kind of looking around and doesn't know where it is when he could have had a deep ball. So I think that's definitely been a missing element of their passing game. Uh, it's definitely problematic that they relied that much on a 32-year-old who is injury-prone, and I think that's kind of one of my biggest issues going forward. But if they can get him back in the mix and he can kind of beat the Deshaun Jackson we saw in week one, they'll be in pretty good shape. Um, I don't, I just don't know if that will happen against the Bears.
0: All right, switching over to one area of the Eagles offense that's been rock solid, and that's his rushing attack. Uh, they have over 100 yards in all but two games this season. They ran for over 170 twice this year, including on Sunday. They had 218 yards on the ground, fifth in the NFL in rushing over the last three weeks. You have former Bear Jordan Howard, rookie Miles Sanders kind of leading the way. Zach, why is Philadelphia's ground game so good?
1: Honestly, it, it largely has to do with Jordan Howard. Um That hurts. Yeah. I I mean, I was going to say, I'm not really sure how, like, the city of Chicago felt about that trade or Jordan in general. But um, he's just been, like – I I don't think the expectations – weirdly, the expectations weren't very high when he got here. I think there were a lot of fans who thought it was going to be all Miles Sanders and eventually Howard would be phased out. And I think on a roster that where most of the guys haven't really exceeded expectations, I think Jordan really, really has – He's improved at as as a pass catcher and in protection. I know pass catching was a bugaboo when he was in Chicago, but he's been mm-hmm. pretty solid in that. He's been really good as a pa- in blocking, and then he just gets those tough yards. I mean, you guys know this. He like he's always falling forward, and he's always, he's not fast. He's not going to bounce outside and get these huge gains, but he can get chunks of yardage. And when the Eagles need to kill the clock, like he's the right guy to go to. And I think that that's a large reason why they were able to beat the Bills. And they they don't beat the Bills or the Packers on the road if not for Jordan Howard. And then Miles Sanders, he's. The running has been a little bit of an issue besides this last week when he had that long touchdown. It was 65 yards, but he's been weirdly their best deep threat as a receiver. He has, I think, five or six catches of 25 yards or more, which is as many as many receivers in the NFL. So he's been really good in that sense. He still needs to improve as a runner, but they're a really good like thunder and lightning duo.
0: That's what uh, they used to call Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard here (laughs) in Chicago. Very similar, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to move on because my heart hurts a little bit hearing <laughs> all of this. And uh, I went to school at IU as well. So I've watched Jordan Howard wow, ever since been following he was here. i him for a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I need to move on for I Hold well, on, wipe a tear. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about that Eagles offensive line because they've been, of course, pretty damn good in the run blocking game. But there's been some documented struggles when it comes to their pass pro. So when you're looking at that starting five, uh, Zach, I want to know uh, who's the strength, who's that anchor, and who's maybe considered a weakness up front.
1: Uh, I think that the, the strength is an easy one. It's Brandon Brooks. He's the right guard. Um, I believe, according to Pro Football Focus, he didn't allow a single pressure in six of eight games this season. Uh, I believe he's either the highest graded or like one of the top two or three graded guards in the entire NFL. And it's pretty remarkable for him because he tore his Achilles in January against the Saints, and he, managed to, he was there on a limited basis on day one of training camp. He started and played most of the snaps in week one, and he's played just about every snap since then, and he's been utterly dominant, and he just hasn't let any pressure get by him. Um, Lane Johnson's been a little inconsistent. He's still one of the best right tackles, but he's had a, the last couple weeks have, have been great for him. Jason Kelsey is still dominant. Isaac Sagamalo and uh, Andre Dillard on the left side, I would say that'd be the weak spot. Uh, Sagamalo's been solid the last couple weeks, but he is prone to mistakes every now and then, and he has at the occasional bad game. And Diller's just a rookie, uh, this will be a third start. He's been okay the last couple of weeks, giving up a little too many, a few too many sacks. That's to be expected for a first round pick. Uh, j- cause Jason Peters, I don't think is going to play this week. So I, if the, if the bears are going to take advantage of something, I imagine it'll be with Dillard and I'm sure they're going to be moving Khalil Mack, uh, over to that side as much as they can to get him matched up with the rookie.
0: Uh, one last question about the offense. And when I'm looking at Philadelphia, uh, they've excelled in two key categories very well. Uh, they're sixth in the NFL in red zone scoring percentage, and they're also second in the league on third down. They're moving the chains on 49% of the time. Uh, what would you attribute the success both in a red zone and third down to?
1: I think that it honestly comes down to Carson Wentz. He, he's an interesting player in that, he seems to thrive more on third down than he does on first and second down and when the play breaks down and when he has to go and do something himself he does a really good job of it. and part of that and part of it helps that you know jordan howard has been so good at converting first downs and carson wentz i believe he's only missed like one or two qb sneaks in his entire career so when it's third and short and carson wentz is running the ball they almost always get first down so a lot of it comes down to, to carson and just kind of making things happen when when things are breaking
0: down. Up next, I'm going to go ahead and get Zach's input on that Philadelphia defense. But before I do, I need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can just get away with not caring about the customer experience. With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. And why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, it's really, it's simple. It's a better process. They pull together their millions of tickets from all over the web, rate each on a scale of 1 to 10, and display each and every seat on an interactive seat map. And of course, every purchase, it's fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and by far, it's the fastest and easiest way that I've been able to shop for tickets. In fact, I just used the app to look into tickets for the Bears' upcoming home game against, that, uh, against the Detroit Lions, of course. And I wanted to make sure to let you know there are still plenty of amazing deals left if you want to go at Soldier and root on our Bears. And the best part of all, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase, and all you need to do... Use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. That promo code again is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All right, let's switch over to that defense. Uh, one of the initial items that kind of stand out to me when looking at the team is that uh, they've been struggling mightily at cornerback. Is that uh, and, and on top of that, that's particularly in man coverage. Is that an accurate assessment?
1: Yeah, I think if you look at the season overall, that definitely has been an issue. They've kind of cycled through a bunch of different guys because of injuries. Uh, there was a stretch where they looked okay, uh, and then Razul Douglas and Sidney Jones really struggled for a couple weeks. Sidney Jones in particular has kind of fallen out of favor. He was a second-round pick just two years ago. And uh, you know, then last week, they got Jalen Mills back, and then against the Bills this past weekend, they got Ronald Darby back, and both played pretty well against the Bills, uh both played pretty. Jalen uh, Mills played decently against the Cowboys. These are the two guys that started for the, on the Super Bowl run. They've both been injured for most of the last year, so th- it's definitely an improvement. But I would say definitely, you know, downfield passing, and I think the Eagles have given up the most passing yards, touchdowns, and like yards per catch on the outside. And uh, you know, I, I don't know if Mitchell Trubisky necessarily scares them all that much, but I, I would say they're they're definitely a, an attackable secondary.
0: Now, looking at the defensive front, uh, there was a trade this week. You guys traded for Gennard Avery. Uh, he's been a healthy scratch most of the year in Cleveland. Uh, do you envision any sort of scenario where he suits up this week and enters the rotation at edge, or is this more of a long-term play? Just curious about the trade and if it has any impact this week. Um, I would say he probably is
1: going to be active just because they have enough injured guys that just by default he's going to be active on game day because of all the inactives that will be hogged up. I would be surprised if he played – uh, at all, they have pretty deep defensive end rotation right now of a young, a few young guys. I'd say he's more of a long term. Maybe in a couple of weeks they start incorporating him, but I, I know they do really like his ability to rush the passer.
0: Uh, what kind of year are some of the big names up front having? You have Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, you know players that everyone knows across the country, and it looks like Philly they're still getting after quarterbacks, you know, better than most. I'd say Brandon Graham is
1: having maybe his best season. I think he has five sacks right now. He's his state. He's uh, remarkably never made a Pro Bowl or gotten 10 sacks. So I, I know those are two goals of his, and I think he's all on his way to doing that. He was, he's was he been especially dominant the last couple weeks. Fletcher Cox got off to a really slow start because he had off-season foot surgery, and he missed just about all of training camp. He was either limited or didn't practice at all for all of training camp or the preseason. And so he was off to a really slow start at the beginning of the year. He wasn't, I mean, Fletcher Cox, at not 100%, is still better than most defense tackles, but he wasn't dominant. And then the last two weeks, you're kind of seeing him waking up. And when he's do, at his best, you know, He's kind of, I think Jim Schwartz has said something along the lines of he's the, he's the straw that stirs the drink in the Eagles defense. So when he's doing his thing, uh, the rest of the defense kind of opens up a little bit, and it helps the secondary especially when the pass rush can get things going on the quarterback.
0: Now prior to last week, the defense, they gave up 38 and 37 points, but against the Bills, uh, that was only the second time that they held any team under 27 all year. So did Philadelphia fix some of their issues, or were the Bills just that bad?
1: Uh, I think the Bills' offense is just that bad, uh, to be honest. But I, I do think – I don't think the Eagles are as bad as those numbers you said. I don't think they're necessarily as good as they were against the Bills or Jets. I think they're somewhere in the middle. They do have some problems, you know, in the middle of the field. Their linebacker, Nigel Bradham's hurt. hurt. Uh, I bet he doesn't play. And so a lot of the other guys are pretty inexperienced. And tackling has been a major issue. We've talked about the cornerbacks already. Uh, the safeties – you know, Rodney McLeod has, has been stellar this season. I think he's been even better than he was before his injury last year. Malcolm Jenkins had a couple of not great games on their little losing streak, but he's still, uh, you know, one of the most important players on this defense. He hasn't been necessarily as consistent as usual, but you know, it's been they've been made a lot of small mistakes that lead to big plays, and I think that's why those numbers are the way they are.
0: When you're looking at the game uh this week on Sunday besides targeting those outside corners which like you said who knows if Mitchell Trkabiski can even make that mismatch uh favorable for Chicago's side but is there any other way that teams have been you know finding ways to beat Philadelphia's defense?
1: You know I, I mean, a lot so their their run defense has been really good um but I think if getting the running backs out in space and getting let, making them a part of the pass game, I think will is an effective way to attack the Eagles' defense. And if if Mitchell Trubisky can make some make some things happen with his legs, they've had you know Josh Allen had a few plays where he made things happen, and even when the Eagles had him, they weren't able to tackle him. Um, so pretty much the key is you know not turning the ball over against this team and throwing down the field is the main one. But if you can get the running backs involved in the pass game, like Tariq Cohen, he could pose a lot of problems for them.
0: Okay, you mentioned Tariq Cohen, and I know you, of course, you're totally focusing on Eagles all year long, but I'm sure you've peeked over here a little bit. Are you surprised, uh, as we are maybe in Chicago, with some of the regression from a Mitchell Trubisky? I know a lot of our fans are curious from input you know, from across the country.
1: Yeah, you know, I usually, you. I mean, there's a lot of hype around uh, Matt Nagy. and Nagy or Nagy? I always, I'm not sure it's how to say it. It's technically
0: Nagy. We say Nagy. Yeah. I try okay. to say Nagy, but whatever you want.
1: <laughs> yeah, Nagy. So he's hyped up as you know this offensive mastermind and all that stuff great play caller and so you you think you know he gets a full he gets a full off season with this new quarterback and and that they start showing some improvement um i i i have been a little surprised by the digression. and I, just from afar i am curious to see how they approach this going forward if they commit to him or if they start looking for another quarterback and i know a lot of people were all speculating that they should they should go after Andy Dalton today. I don't know how much better he'd be necessarily, but um, it, it it definitely has surprised me uh, the digression.
0: Uh Is there anything else on the Eagles that you would like us to know? Of obviously you're the expert on the team, so if there is anything else, offense, defense, uh, special teams that you believe that I and our listeners would benefit from learning more about, I'd love to hear about it.
1: Um, I'm mean, going to talk about special teams. So I I know kickers are a sore subject in Chicago, but the Eagles <laughs> nice. kickers. Uh, Jake Elliott has been, you know, he's pretty inconsistent the last couple of years. He's always clutched, but he's been pretty inconsistent for most years. He hasn't missed a single field goal. He's probably going to now that I've just said that. Um, But he hasn't missed. He missed an extra point last week with the wind blowing. uh, So I don't think that was his fault. So I think if if this game does come down to a field goal, I think the Eagles are pretty confident that Jake Elliott's going to be able to convert it. I'm not sure how you guys feel about your kicker, though.
0: Uh, I feel pretty good still. Uh, last week was tough. Uh, I'm still getting over how it all ended, but uh, it was windy. I still feel better than I did after the game in January that we shall not discuss. Well, he didn't
1: He didn't go on a Good Morning America the day after, did he? He did not. Okay, that's good. Step that, up. That's,
0: that, that's positive. We're moving in the right direction here in Chicago <laughs> when it comes to our kickers. Uh, so one last question. It's uh, You've been on the show before. I so see you know how I end these things. Uh, first part of this two-part question is why will the Eagles win?
1: I think the Eagles will win uh, because I think they can contain Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears' offense, and I think the Eagles' running game is good enough to kind of drain the clock, even with this Bears' defense, which is, is going to be difficult for the Eagles. But I, I think they're going to be able to throw the ball in the middle of the field and get some things going in the running game, and I think they win a close one uh, with maybe not as high scoring as past weeks.
0: Understood. And obviously the caveat there would be uh, what's going to take for Philadelphia to lose the game.
1: And that I think comes down to the bears forcing Carson Wentz to make mistakes. Um, They shut down the running game early and forced the Eagles to pass the ball, which the passing game is just not really that threatening right now. And then they they allow Mitchell Trubisky to not turn the ball over. If the Eagles don't force turnovers, they tend to not win games.
0: All right, Zach, I appreciate all the time that you gave us. I know you're a busy, busy guy over there. So again, thank you so much for hopping on the show yet again, and I hope you have a good rest of your game week.
1: Yeah. Thanks guys. I'm happy to come on.
0: Well, that'll do it, Bears fans. I hope that you enjoyed Zach's insight on the Philadelphia Eagles. Up next will be another edition of our audio mailbag. You definitely won't want to miss that, especially if you turned in a question. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. (laughs)